Welcome to Chaos to Cured podcast with Jeffrey Freed and Kirk Patrick Miller. So Jeffrey is a little under the weather and still here. And both of us have had somewhat of a tough week. So, you know, we're going to jump into one of the topics that we spoke about. And as we, or at least as I work with individuals, including myself, and I work towards getting rid of anxiety, I really, our perception of time, how we perceive time is the key and um, what we spoke about before and introduced was the idea that oftentimes in a diagnostic setting the therapist psychiatrist whatever you're talking about at the time are diagnosing things based on symptoms they don't really talk a lot about how the individual perceives something that i find absolutely vital which is time so when you talk anxiety, almost everyone out there thinks of being on a stage or they think of um, a timed test or an important test. All of the things that we feel anxious about have one thread that connects them. And that is the feeling of I have to, and there's a time frame attached to it. So, you know, we, we've talked about this in the past, um, and people can jump back if they'd like to, but I'll reintroduce the idea of critical flicker fusion frequency, or CFFF. And what that is, is how many images we see per second. So last week, Jeffrey and I just did a show on neurodiverse individuals and how they see the world in literally like snapshots of images. So we spoke about that last week. So this feels like a nice follow-up. So our critical flicker fusion frequency is how many images we see per second. So under duress in a car accident or something important, it can feel like you remember every little detail. Now that's in our most stressed state. When we are on vacation, you know, we look down and we're like, oh, oh my goodness, it's already like four o'clock. So again, for me, anxiety is so tied to time. Jeffrey, you know, we since we've talked about it, what have been some things that you've noticed just on your own when you are dealing with yourself and anxiety or in, in any of the individuals you work with? Well, I would say this, that time is definitely a rel it's relative. Um, and the way people can understand it is if they're really doing something that they really like, they're thrilled about doing three hours and seem like 10 minutes. And if you're doing something that's awful or atrocious, 10 minutes can seem like three hours. Now, that's true for most people, but it is more true for the neurodiverse population. They have a very liberal interpretation of time. And it makes sense because they're hypersensitive to everything. Um, they tend to be uh, have really strong um, hearing, um, reading sensitivity to people. Most of them are highly sensitive people. And so when you get that going on, you get people who really disregard time. They have trouble with time. They just rate it as experiences rather than time, which is why so many people, um, especially with ADD and dyslexia and um, autism really have a different sense of time. Um, everything's different with these folks. They have every sense that everyone else has, but more so. 
And when they get immersed into something, this is like the classic example would be a video game situation where a person, um, the neurodiverse person will absolutely forget about time um, and just do it because they're enjoying it. And when you call them on it, they basically say, I, you know, give me five minutes or give me 10 minutes. And that, of course, is going to be from an hour or yeah, give me more. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, but it's not to be cruel or mean that they're doing this. It's not to be inconsiderate. It's not a narcissistic thing either. It's that they really do have a different sense of time. Um, an extreme example that I love to use when talking about this is when you go to a movie and you sit there and you watch the credits and it's like the credits can seem like six hours and the movie 15 minutes because the credits aren't that interesting for most of us. And that is so typical of the people that I work with. They really um, have a different sense of time. And it's not as, um, I guess the word would be, um, it's, more, it's more up to interpretation. These are folks that tend to be late all the time. And a lot of times they do the opposite. They're extremely um, sensitive about time because they know they have to do that. And a simple way to, to deal with that, if you want to, get me a big watch. Um, get a watch that has other functions like an altimeter, barometer. So you look at it more often and set alarms where they're so easy to do if you care about this issue. And you're going to have to. Um, if you're working for somebody else or with someone else, you really have to start paying attention to time, um, the classic way. And if you um, aren't, then if you're working for yourself and time's not a factor, well, that's your bailiwick and you're going to love that. But that's not many of us. People get fired because of the time. Um, they lose their jobs. And it's so unfortunate because these are people, like another example, when Einstein or Edison, who were definitely neurodivergent, would get started on a concept, something new, they absolutely would forget about time until it's solved. So they were immersing themselves in some kind of, you know, situation where they um, just wanted to get it done and do it well. Time was irrelevant. So these are folks that can focus really well on something that is extremely important to them. And, you know, it's like if you can explain, if you're a person who has trouble with time, if you can explain to your boss, your friends or whatever, what's going on with you, um, and say that, you know, you'll be cognizant of it, but it's not something that, you know, when you lose yourself, you forget about time. But just explain what's going on, and it's pretty readily understandable at that point. I'd love a couple of the points that you made, um, because uh, just what we just talked about is such a great tool for therapists or people diagnosing those are great questions to ask somebody to determine if it's, you know, ADHD or maybe if it leans more towards, you know, something else that has similar symptoms, the, sure. the feeling of time and how we process things um, is so vital. So for me, if I have work coming up at three o'clock, it's not three o'clock to me. Let's say it's nine in the morning at nine in the morning. I'm already worried about three o'clock. Will I get yep. there in time? Will I be there on the moment? Will I will I have everything ready? What oh I have this and this and this. And then I start ordering up. So what I do is I fill up everything from that moment to when I must do something. 
with something else and I fill it with things. And what happens is the day feels so rushed and that in turn causes me to feel extremely anxious, like, especially if I have other projects. So I have to face one project. And while I'm doing that, it's like, okay, I got to go faster on it. And then I, I look up at the clock and then it feels like I'm being chased. So I go back to work. I work harder. I move on to the next thing. And the entire time is like a countdown to a bomb exploding. That's how I like to, that's literally how I'd explain it to my, to anyone else who doesn't live with just generalized anxiety and panic all the time. It's literally like all day long, you're taking apart a bomb and you're just waiting for it to go off. And every single day you wake up and the whole process starts again. So for me, the, you, you went into one example where I can absolutely lose myself. And this is why I wanted to bring this up because I thought this was so important. Um, you brought up you know, uh, a couple, Edison um, and Einstein, Leonardo da Vinci is a perfect example. Michelangelo, a lot of these guys would follow their passions. And so the time wasn't actually always sitting there chasing them because they actually didn't have that construct if you right. look at Leonardo da Vinci, they didn't, it was like, okay, we're going to hire you to do this marble statue. And then they'd get kind of mad when it was like three years later and it wasn't done. Nowadays, you know, they'd be calling every four minutes to see, you know, what the update is. He'd be answering his phone all the time instead of actually working on a marble statue. So, you know, it's, I think that because our world has become more time centered and like you said, you have to be able to function with it at a job or just in general practice. And you said, well, you know, you were trying to find the right word. And all I wanted to say was linear, right? So the people who are not neurodiverse, who don't deal with crushing anxiety, they look at the clock and they're like, oh, it's only nine o'clock. I have all the way until three. And I envy those people because I've really struggled with that. Now that leads me to, you know, when we talk about solutions to dealing with anxiety, there are um, lots of different ways, whether that's breathing, extremely effective exercise, sleep. We've talked about all of these things before. And then one thing we introduced was blink breathing. So, you know, I, with the idea of taking in images and trying to slow down how many images you take in, it's literally like just giving your brain a breather. So with ever you follow whatever breathing technique you want and you breathe in and then just close your eyes, just try to picture every little detail that you just saw. And then you can open your eyes when you breathe out or when you, it doesn't really matter. Find what works for you, but make it consistent. So, you know, close your eyes for one second and do that for like, you know, 20 breaths, just follow whatever breathing technique works and blink with it. That has helped me. I do want to point out that there are a lot of medications that, psychiatrists um, and individuals often prescribe. Um, for me, they just mask the anxiety. So um, when I was given an antidepressant, I did not feel less anxiety. I felt like something was a little off with my mind, but the anxiety was still in on the inside. Same thing with the beta blocker. So propranolol, some of those others that they give for controlling, you know, so your heart doesn't start racing. So that was another anti-anxiety medication doctors had me try. And same thing, it, my heart wasn't racing, but 
every fiber in my being was on fire with anxiety, panic daily. Now, this raises stress levels and it's just hard. Um, and so, you know, I found a different medication, um, which, you know, a lot of doctors don't even want to prescribe anymore, a benzodiazepine, which affects our GABA. Um, and I don't want to get into a ton of science on this, but one of the things that is interesting is if you look at critical flicker fusion frequency, benzodiazepines do slow it. Now, the ones that speed it are um, methylphenidate, dexedrine, so medications for ADHD stimulants. Stimulants will actually speed up the critical flicker fusion frequency. So it's enhancing that sense of time. One of the most common side effects on stimulants is anxiety. Feeling, you know, a little like you're had too many cups of coffee. Coffee is the same thing. It increases how many images you see per second, how much data you take in. Now you take a benzodiazepine, slows it. Now, the, the problem is, is that um, I know there are medical risks to anything. So please talk to your doctor. Um, but with benzodiazepines for me, I am concerned long term. So I'm looking for what else actually affects that. And that brings me to some very different directions that people are starting to look. Johns Hopkins just released something on uh, psilocybin. So those would be in you know the 70s, you'd call it magic mushrooms, right? right. Now they're finding that that actually really can help, not just for a short amount of time. It's They're using it for um, treatment-resistant depression, PTSD, and anxiety. They're finding some phenomenal uses for this. I think it's because it somewhat opens up the brain for neuroplasticity. So you need to be trained on what to do before you start doing some of that stuff. But at least science is starting to get some different approaches. Um, I don't, I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I think we all do, that anxiety is probably the biggest illness of this world right now. And I know it is in this country for sure. So we definitely need some better tools. And um, Jeffrey, you had one that I really liked too. And I'd love for you to explain it because um, I just went over the breathing, but you always had me look up and that was something yeah. that helped. Yeah. Well, all that really is, is when you're feeling anxious, tense, nervous, it's really hard to feel that way. If you just take your eyes and cast them heavenward, just look up you'll find that your eyes want to come down when you do that. So that's a really good technique to, um, you know, to, to combat that. It's like whenever you feel tense, nervous, look up and really pay attention to your breathing as well. Like breathe out twice as long as you breathe in and breathe through your nose as much as you can. And you'll find that you won't stay nervous or tense or at least when you start to lower your eyes and feel the tension, you know to look up and it'll take you right out of that. I wanted to also add, um, time is a linear, arbitrary concept. And it, it jives perfectly with people who are um, linear processors. It's just, you know, every hour is the same. Every minute's the same. And we agree, we as a culture agree that um, on, on time. But that works really well if you're linear sequential. That's just easy for you. But if you're not, 
if you're more spontaneous, if you are more visual, spatial, more creative, more tempting to get lost in your head, time will be different. And um, that's, that's the thing that is behind the problem. Um, right there, I just explained it from my perspective. Um, and that's really important to keep to keep in mind. And if you're a really, really brilliant, creative person, you are going to have trouble with time, but you can, you can deal with it. It's just like, I, I like me, I'm this way. And what I do is I wear an altimeter watch and a thermometer watch. And that makes me more, more, more prone to look at my watch. Um, it's kind of novel. It's heavy. It's big. And it, you know, it just, it just centers me more, but it is not something we have many gifts non-divergent people but one of our gifts is not timeliness um so we need to compensate because the world still needs you to be on time so that's my take on it Kurt. you know there's and the reason i keep coming back to this as being such a vital topic for mental health is that if you look at everything they describe about mania so for me, I, and I've, I've gotten into this before, so I'll make it fast. So for me, mania, the whole world felt like it was going slow. So everyone else was in slow motion. I wasn't talking fast. Everybody else was talking slow. And then what happens during a down? You can probably guess. It yeah. feels like forever. I was stuck in just darkness, just hoping to just reach out. So Time isn't only tied to anxiety. The problem is, is that it's such a valuable tool to ask somebody about, but we don't discuss things like that. Like, right. And um, like you said, we need those time things based on a linear structure and a system that we've all agreed upon. That's why time tests are horrible. It doesn't, it doesn't test you on anything except your ability to withstand, um, I, I guess, some torture. And the problem <laughs> is, is that's that, that, test and even that part doesn't ever equate to what you're really going to be doing and i know for me like i have taken tests and absolutely got you know an 85 or an 87 when i knew every single question and if they just said no time limit i would have been 100 percent now well if you yeah, that's real typical Kirk, with people on the spectrum it's with people with ADD. That's one of the common accommodations, extended time. And that has to do with getting the information which you're processing visually and to turn it into words and sequence the thoughts. And you need less, I mean, you don't need time constraints. Um, I don't think unlimited time on tests is the answer, but plenty. And Enough, exactly. You don't need unlimited. But, no, you know, I, th I think there's a, there's this focus on if somebody tests well, then they can do this well. And, and you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I don't agree. I've met some really, really amazing people that are spectacular. Um, how do I say this politely? On paper, they've gone to the best schools. They have all these really amazing degrees. And then I talk to them, and I'm like, "What? Like, it, it's not that they don't know their stuff." It's that they only know their stuff and anything outside of that makes them very, very, very uncomfortable. And that's very different than what I usually see from uh, neurodiverse individuals who'd love to jump everywhere. Yeah. And, it, you know, so 
there's no box. I don't like the, the word thinking outside the box. For me, there's never been a box. And I feel like most neurodivergent or neurodiverse individuals feel that way or think that way. So they don't see a limit. They just go, that's what I want. I'm going to do that. And when what happens is the they're in a system where it goes, nope, we have a we have a time, we have a schedule, we have a curriculum, we have a state, you know, a, to meet our funding, we have to do all of these things. So instead of you solving the world's problems right now, we're going to have you do exactly what every other child is doing at the same time. Um, uh, there are so many factors where this goes into play. So not just at school, let's talk about work. Same thing, like you said, when you give somebody a project, now Google, some of the companies we've talked about in the past, do a better job. They don't care. You get your stuff done whenever you want. As long as the project is done, that's it. They yep. give the project and they pull away the time constraint. Now, there's still a deadline, but For it's sure. a hyper-realistic deadline. And all you have to do is pretty much show up and do your stuff. For me, that works much better. Some of the consistency of scheduling, I love consistency, but when I'm forced to kind of meet, I guess, a society's deal that I didn't agree to on time, it's really challenging. And I would say just about every single time I have a panic attack, Oftentimes it starts in the morning and it's because I wake up and there's this overwhelming feeling of like, I have like 6 million things to do. And none of us feels like we have enough money. It doesn't matter. I do not make very much at all. And oh my goodness, is that hard right now? There's so many people out there that just don't make enough. So there's a perfect situation in the world for anxiety, the media, everything else. And also the speed at which we receive information also increases that well it decreases the time it takes for us to be able to process that information when we hear about a bombing in some place or some country we hear about it two minutes later and it's mm -hmm. on all these other social media platforms we don't get a chance to process so it's forcing us more towards and more towards anxiety everyone feels like there's less time yeah and there's not enough are... time people don't manage it well because they're they don't think sequentially um it's it's definitely a stress producer and um i mean i can tell you for sure one thing i know for sure is virtually everyone i know ever or hear about is stressed because of time they don't have enough time in the day so that's a big problem well, and out of all of the questions that would have really helped um, when I was first trying to get diagnosed would have been for them to say, oh, well, when you're, when you have this coming up, you know, how do you feel? What's your perception of time? You know, do you feel like this session has been long? That's something that I often use with clients is I'll talk to them and I'll be like, you know, often usually near the end. But then I'll ask, you know, how long do you think that was? And a lot of times they'll be like, oh, you know, that was like, we've been talking for 15 minutes. I was like, that's an hour, you know? So the, the idea that, and, and you stated it very well, it's a man-made concept. It is not something we can really explain. We have to tie time to things so that we can measure. And, but when you look at it as um, less linear, and more individualized, you can start kind of breaking down 
why certain people have higher anxiety levels. And I guarantee you, if you're an individual that's suffering with anxiety, all you have to do is whatever is causing anxiety, start looking and just literally come up with a mantra. I have enough time. I have enough time. I have to repeat that self to myself all the time. And the cutest thing is um, both of my nieces will look at me. They'll be like, take a deep breath. You have plenty of time, you know, and they'll, they'll repeat it back to me. And it's the most adorable thing on the planet. That You're is right. something. Yeah. They're so bright. And that is something I desperately needed when I was young. And how many people get that in any setting? It's the exact opposite. You're having a hard day and the teacher comes up. Why aren't you done with that yet? Or your yeah. boss, I emailed you this morning. Why haven't you gotten back to me? Everything's why haven't you already done it? Instead of look at all you've accomplished. These are the goals for this next, you know, goal post. If everything was done with goals instead of time frames, every single individual student would do better. I really believe that. I believe people would do better in their jobs. Now, like you said, we do need some some sort of order. You can't just say do whatever you want, right? So learning how to deal with this is something that has really helped me with my anxiety. It's helped. Looking up helps me a ton. So when Jeffrey first taught that to me, it made a huge difference. If you mix that with the breathing and the blink breathing, like we talked about, if you practice mindfulness, the more tools you have, if you're patient with yourself and you're willing to go through the process, you can slowly slightly retrain your brain. I have been working at this for years and I still have a long way to go. It is not a fast process, but with the miracle that is our mind, I can't think of a better word. It's just a marvel. Um, we, with neuroplasticity, we can reduce some things. We can't, I don't know if I can ever get to zero anxiety. I wish, but um, through some of these concepts and the things that, um, you know, Jeffrey and I are talking about, it, Jeffrey, I, I, it really has helped me. The show, talking about these things and being able to be open about them has helped me, but it's also helped my clients. So you know, it's, it's, I really appreciate you. I just wanted to tell you that right now um, before I get all choked up. But as far as this goes, I really believe in this. And I think this is where um, I think maybe there's going to be some answers in the next 50 years. We have a long way to go to figure out the mind and, and understand a lot more about it. Won't it, but it won't. It's, um, I certainly hope not. I don't... And things move too fast for it to take that long. Well, you know, I think um, if anybody is interested, um, you can certainly look back at our older show. Um, th this explained it fairly well. And all I would ask is anybody listening, just literally process. Anytime you're feeling anxious, you're feeling worried about stuff, just see if you're putting a time to it. If you're putting a deadline on yourself that doesn't need to be there, if there doesn't need to be a deadline for yourself, take a deep breath realize you got plenty of time and move past it. That's literally all I can do for myself because I can't erase what I'm genetically made to do. So I am hypersensitive and I definitely feel more anxious and I panic all the time. My, my key and my goal is to not have to feel so on fire all the time. It's right. hard to live like that. And so you that's, you don't. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. So, all of the people that are dealing with anxiety know exactly what I'm talking about. 
And so I wish all of you the very, very, very best. Um, and definitely, I think if you listen to the previous episode too, where we talked about pictures and you think about how many images, and then we tie this together with, um, you know, the critical flicker fusion frequency, there's so much there. And it's very fascinating to me. And I just want to find some solutions so others don't have to go through the same things I did. So do you have anything that you wanted to add? Or you usually sometimes have some just marvelous thoughts. If you don't, that's fine. But do you have anything? That you, no. Okay. I think we covered it really well. And I think you did a marvelous job. So well, I'm good. Thank you for all you do. Um, not just for me, but all the individuals you work with. Um, if someone out there is... Uh, I don't know what, I know you're very booked, but if somebody out there really needs the best, um, I highly suggest reaching out. You can find our information um, on the podcast notes for how to directly contact both Jeffrey and I. Um, I can't imagine working with anybody better than Jeffrey. That's why both right, our nieces yeah. are. So no, thank you for being on the show and always bringing your expertise and insight. It matters so much to this world. So everyone have a beautiful week. We will be back the following week with another podcast. And thank you for your comments. They mean a lot to us. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Cast and Cared Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with everyone you know and definitely like, follow, and subscribe. Certainly leave a comment if you'd like. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about the next time. Also, in our show notes, there should be direct links where you can follow us on our social media as well as reach out to us directly. Thanks again and have a great day. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Chaos to Cured podcast are the speaker's own. All discussion is based on our own experiences. We do not and cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information. Chaos to Cured podcast cannot give medical or health advice. All discussion is based upon our personal experiences and meant for general and educational purposes. This podcast is not a substitute for professional help or for diagnostic purposes for yourself or another. Chaos to Cured podcast always encourages you to consult an appropriate professional.